Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Eventually on today's show, we're going to have some fun. Kirk Curbstreet, Reese Davis, back at it again, talking Georgia football. So we will have a response to some of what they had to say. We've enjoyed that this offseason. We'll have some fun with that here in a little bit. We're also looking ahead to SEC Media Days. We're going to get very serious into the preview of that beyond just what's going on there with uh, Georgia. So fun on tap on this show eventually, as it hopefully is each and every day. But I do want to begin with what happened in Athens yesterday. Kirby Smart, uh, press conference, talking about a number of offseason issues. And I think there's one thing that I need to sort of address off the top. And after that, we'll kind of talk about some of the other things there as well. You know, uh, a lot of you have kind of wondered if I'm going to offer any kind of response to the response that Georgia and Kirby Smart gave yesterday to some reporting that you may have recently read in the AJC. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not a part of the AJC investigative reporting team. I'm not really privy to their processes uh, in any way, shape, form, or fashion. So because of that, it'd be inappropriate for me to comment. I'm going to leave any commentary on that to kind of come from them. And I'm sure at some point in time, you know, they'll have uh, some feedback on this in some form or fashion, and I'm going to just kind of leave that to them. So and I know some of you are aware of that. I want to just sort of say that off the top and then sort of move on to some of the other stuff that's out there because that's not the only thing that Georgia coach Kirby Smart talked about yesterday. And there's one aspect of what Smart addressed that I do think – is probably worth examining a little bit more because a lot of you know what the timeline has been like for Georgia over the course of these past few months. It starts in January with a story that we continue to be incredibly sad about. And Georgia fans are united in the the, the sadness related to the tragedy of, you know, Devin Willick, Chandler LaCroix, the car crash that cost them their lives. That's been incredibly sad. And it's also just sort of common sense to assume that anytime there's some sort of, you know, um, situation like that a lot of questions going to be asked about you know maybe what was going on there on that and and one of the things that has been put into the spotlight in the aftermath of what happened back in January is the issue potentially with uh, Georgia football players and speeding and maybe reckless driving and there's been some talk out there about the sheer number of instances there and the the high speeds that at times uh, Georgia players have been uh, pulled over for for driving and Kirby Smart talked a lot about that yesterday and some of what smart said there i think it's probably worth unpacking a little bit more as georgia admittedly tries to pivot away from this uh in the off season and start to kind of really put its uh process in place for the upcoming season that's you know kind of where we are right now there's one quote in particular and you can go to dognation.com and you can uh read the uh, full story of smart on this particular issue but i want to pull out something that kirby smart had to say because i thought that smart was you know kind of introspective and all of this can i show the kirby smart quote here of uh, smart yesterday saying on the issue of speeding and what has maybe gone on with some georgia players he says it's a tough situation to manage when you have 18 to 2020 i should say 18 to 22 year old men a lot of them are driving for the first time every fall we have 25 new guys we've averaged five guys who uh, come here at 18 years old with no driver's license and we continue to work at it i don't have the exact answer this is the part that i think is interesting smart saying 
I don't have the exact answer. I wish I did, but we will continue to work at it. You can read more of that from Kirby Smart there at dognation.com on that particular subject. And I want to park on this for a moment because it's smart saying, hey, admittedly, this is an issue. It's an issue that we want to address. And I can't sit here today and tell you that I've got every possible uh, solution to this fully laid out. And I think in some respects, conversations like this end up being a little bit of a template for how we talk about everything related to college football, because I I think that people bring sometimes into a discussion like this, the issue in this specific case, player speeding, things like that. I think people bring some preconceived notions into a discussion like this, no matter what vantage point you kind of come from. You have sort of a history with this topic and you bring some preconceived notions into the conversation and some of those may not be true some of those may actually be myths and one of these i've sort of addressed before is that i think sometimes there's this belief that there's a certain stripe of college football fan that doesn't care about anything that his favorite team does the coaches the players anything else that doesn't care about anything else he only wants to win and i was candid about this other day and i'll repeat myself here right now the truth is i've never met a georgia fan who would ever, at least that has said to me or through actions would seem to you know lead you to believe that had no sense of moral compass no sense of right and wrong only to go back and use i guess what it was the oakland raiders who made this line famous back in the 60s 70s whenever it was just win baby that somehow winning and losing football games the idea of that superseded any sense of right and wrong i've never met a georgia fan who felt that way and a lot of georgia fans may be like yeah you're right ba i never have either but to go beyond that a step further i've never met an alabama fan a tennessee fan an auburn fan a florida fan who feels that way either that the truth is is that it's easy to sort of characterize in the kind of rivalry back and forth conversation that we do of you know we care about the right things here with our favorite team but those losers up there in knoxville or those idiots down there in gainesville all they care about is winning and losing the truth is to give a fair shot here to the other sec teams even though everybody from time to time may have a story with their program they're not particularly proud of i have never really met any kind of fans sometimes the online behavior may lead you to believe this is true but in the personal interactions that i've had with actual real people i've never met anybody who would either through their words or through their actions lead you to believe that winning and losing was more important than any kind of sense of right or wrong whatsoever that's just not something that i see existing around the sec and i'm fairly comfortable and confident uh when i tell you that the other thing that kind of comes up in a conversation like this when you see what to the naked eye sort of appears to be a large number of speeding issues for georgia going back you know however much you want to go back here even some georgia fans have expressed some concern about this of gosh it seems like it's a lot of people kind of you know having issue with this or some of the issues we've heard about seem to be like a really excessive speed and smart himself talked about that some yesterday too of you know the fact that the the speed at which some of these guys have been traveling may be more serious more significant than the total number of instances overall and some georgia fans have expressed some concern about that of gosh what is going on here uh you know you know this does seem to be a, a little bit alarming and there's another pocket of georgia fans in the midst of all of that who've sort of said okay i'd like to have some additional context like one of the things you hear some georgia fans say is okay well so georgia's had x number of instances and i'm not actually you know sure what the total number of instances are but but it's been reported to have been a lot um that seems like a lot but what the georgia fan says is well let me compare that to so-and-so school big state university over here or 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 prominent program over there let me have that a little bit of additional context admittedly that's probably a little bit difficult to gather i'm certainly not resourced enough to probably be able to do that but what i did notice because i did just a little bit of research i'm talking about the very most you know minimal 
amount of research. And what it did notice is, and there was a like a nonprofit organization called TRIP, T-R-I-P, and I guess they do some reporting on this. And I guess the most recent reporting out there may have come out a year ago, kind of looking back at the previous couple of years before that. So from the period of 19, or I should say 2019 through 2021 here in the state of Georgia, according to a nonprofit organization called TRIP, uh, that there was a 21% increase in Georgia driving fatalities over the course of that period of time. Now, it's not for me to say why that might have uh, been the case and what the reasons for that. But this nonprofit who's you know not involved in like football in any way, they're just into the traffic thing, uh, from reporting a, a, a fairly large increase in traffic fatalities in Georgia over a couple of years span, kind of around the pandemic and that time. And I guess the, some of the national organizations that cover the same thing uh, are, are reporting some similar stuff here that the traffic fatalities nationally reached a 16-year high in 2021. And so my point for bringing that up is, is that some of what may have happened here may also be a part of a larger story that, and maybe you've noticed this in your own right, that the roads just seem to get more dangerous, even in kind of like the boring suburbs where I live. I feel like I'm dodging cars all the time now, and some of the national and local data may add some support to that. So for the people who've said, okay, what's the context all this comes in, you know, that may be, you know, at least part of the context here is that is that roads for many of us just appear to be getting more dangerous and some of the statistics out there seem to back that up. That doesn't absolve Georgia here from this particular issue, but it is kind of context uh, that's being discussed or should maybe should be discussed and be a part of this issue uh, as we kind of move forward with it. And, and then a couple more points here real quick, and then after that we'll kind of move on to something more fun. There are a couple of other myths that I do think are probably worth at least kind of considering here when it comes to issues like this, Kirby Smart speaking out on a, a number of topics yesterday, including uh, a relatively large number of speeding citations for his team and excessive, uh, I should say, reckless driving type issues that Georgia has been reported to have had. I think there's a misbegotten notion out there a little bit that Georgia, Kirby Smart in this case as the coach, would be incentivized to allow his players to do whatever they want to do. I, I just think that to some people seems true of well if you're a coach you want to overlook what your players are doing because it makes it easier for you to get good players makes it easier for you to win and honestly given the time that i've spent around college football not just georgia but college football in general and the recruiting process which is after all the lifeblood of college football i'm actually not quite so sure that's as as incentivized as some people think that it might be because the thing that we get wrong sometimes about recruiting is we focus on a very small number of recruits, a very narrow sliver of the overall picture of what recruiting is all about. And when you have a really glamorous player who kind of comes from a very um, a hyped up background, something like that, the perception that we have because we've seen movies, we've heard stories or whispers this, whisper that, is, oh, this player just gets to do whatever he wants to do. But if that is true for anybody – that's a very small sliver of anything in the overall total picture of college football. In other words, you know, sometimes we think, especially in this day and age of NIL, that that players are entering into a recruiting conversation on kind of a transactional basis of what can you give to me? What kind of money can I get? What kind of freedom can I enjoy? What kind of lavish lifestyle can I live and, and have at your program? And that becomes, I think, in the perception of some, the way in which some players, a lot of players, maybe even the majority of players in the eyes of some, are choosing their college experience. But having spent a lot of time around high school football here in our state and college programs, not just Georgia, but all across you know, the SEC and elsewhere, what I'm going to tell you is, is that a large measure of the recruiting process is not transactional, it's still relational. And a lot of the families that are part of the recruiting process 
y'all, they're actually remarkably traditional. And if you could get into the recruiting process as deeply as Jeff Sintel gets to do it as a reporter here and as deeply as I get to do it because I work with a recruiting – like I don't cover recruiting, I follow recruiting, but I do get a chance to hang around with Jeff Sintel. I have some other friends who cover recruiting. And when you get really deep into the recruiting process, what you're going to find out is, is the recruiting process, even though – blowhards like me make a big deal of the hat shows and the and all the glitz and glamour of recruiting the actual nuts and bolts of recruiting is actually pretty traditional and the number one question that comes up in the recruiting process is for a mama especially because we know how mamas drive the boat when it comes to recruiting mamas ask the question of are you going to be a good steward of my son if i entrust my son to you one of the most precious possessions i have literally are you going to be a good steward of that And so the idea that it would be incentivized then for Georgia to let players run wild and act recklessly, drive recklessly, and that would be a good way to get good players, I think the deeper you are in the recruiting process, you realize actually that's not particularly incentivized that mamas don't want their sons, even though these are fully grown men and, you know, could bounce me on every wall in this room. These are still their mama's sons, right? And mamas still see their sons as their babies you know for lack of a better word and mamas want their sons to be entrusted to coaches who are going to do right by them and they don't want their sons hanging around bad dudes doing the wrong things so the idea that would be incentivized for kirby smart or any kind of coach to to um to allow reckless or bad behavior i don't think that's as incentivized as maybe some might think that it is which sort of kind of circles back to the quote that kirby smart gave a moment ago of so we're still trying to figure out what to do about this. It seems like everybody agrees there's been too much speeding. It seems like in the case of some of these instances, they have been at an alarming rate of speed. And so Kirby Smart asked the question of, OK, well, what do you do about it? And this is the point where I guess I'm going to get on a little bit of a soapbox here because I do believe that once again, there's this misunderstanding that sometimes goes on about some of this kind of stuff where I think some people view this as from Kirby Smart's perspective, a crime that needs to be punished. And I think the more correct way to view this is maybe more just along the lines of a problem that needs to be solved. In other words, I'm not quite so sure that coming down hard excessively on the next person to get a speeding ticket does anything to correct the overall problem that might exist with a large organization that has 85 scholarship players, even more than that when you come to walk-ons. People associate with the program as staffers and things like that. I'm just not quite so sure that's the case. And this is a little bit of a personal story for me. I mean, I, I have not lived a very interesting life in terms of you know checkered behavior in my past and things like that. But if you want to go back to my past, I do have a little bit of a history of driving too fast, especially when I was younger. When I was 18 years old, I got a speeding ticket that was so fast I got taken to jail now I didn't have to stay there very long thankfully but it was it was a serious speeding ticket and you might think well that's enough to scare you straight you know 18 year old kid like me you know getting uh, put in the back of a police car that's all I would have needed to know and yet I was actually thinking about this this morning uh, a year or so later I got another speeding ticket a couple of years after that I got another speeding ticket even as an adult I got a speeding ticket and had to pay big time bucks down there <laughs> just be careful when you're driving on I-16 because your wallet's gonna be a lot lighter uh, if, if you're not so the point is is that when Kirby Smart says hey this is an issue we're trying to figure out how to solve it like that's a thing that probably hits home for a lot of us and I'm not trying to absolve or excuse any of this I'm really not but I think the words that Smart used yesterday are, are, are very, very honest. And I think that he is being really, really sincere when he says, 
uh, you know, that George is in the process of trying to, to, to figure this all out. And many of us will be watching very closely to kind of see how uh, that he does. Now, let me, I guess, sort of say one more thing and then we'll kind of sort of move on to a happier subject matter. Admittedly, this is a football show and eventually, you know, our uh, gravitational pull is back towards the game itself, what's happening between the white lines. And on an issue like this, we're going to be no different. You know, I, I do think if you're a Georgia fan and you're thinking, okay, what's going to happen when this team starts playing games this fall? What's going to happen as the team starts getting prepared for the upcoming season? I, I do think some of what Georgia did yesterday does lay the groundwork as it pivots towards SEC media days, selecting Brock Bowers and Cedric Von Prongranger and Kamari Lasser to be there at media days next week. I do think this lays the groundwork for Georgia to start talking about football. And just because you're talking about football doesn't mean that other issues don't matter and other issues aren't important. But eventually, you know, it's like the old Nick, uh, Bill Belichick line about do your job. You know, Georgia's got a job to do. It's a job to get ready for the upcoming season. In the midst of a lot of other issues yesterday, I think Georgia is now getting back to the business of the season at hand and using SEC media days now as a chance to talk about what's going to actually happen on the football field. Because when any other question comes up, Kirby Smart can now rightly say that has already been addressed. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Breda Pass Management. We're happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video. 9.45, we start first and 15, dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and we are available as a podcast, wherever you find them. Apple, Spotify, worldfamousdognation.com. We try to put the show out there in a lot of different ways, a lot of different platforms, and we're just very, very thankful to have you a part of it, no matter what platform you choose to use. And I am so grateful for our friends, like our sponsor today, Breda Pass Management, make it all possible. You know, Breda Pass Management, the official pest control provider of UJ Athletics. And y'all, what is it? Is it inside 50 days now? Some of y'all are better at the countdown stuff than I am, but it ain't far away from now. We're going to be uh there in Sanford Stadium admittedly it's just Tennessee Martin uh it's almost a night game at 6 p.m but the point is when you're there and you're looking around you see 93,000 people between the hedges you're gonna know bugs critters termites nowhere to be found because our friends at Breda Pass Management protect Sanford Stadium for UGA and they protect all those other athletic venues there as well and the same level of protection that Breda Pass Management is entrusted to provide UGA with they can provide that for you there as well and there is a tangible benefit for you making the switch to Breda Pass Manager that is worth your attention because the resources they have, the level of service they have a history of providing, all of that can be leveraged for your benefit. What I mean is, in business since 1975, 125 employees taking care of business all across our great state. And when you make the switch, excuse me, when you make the switch to Breda Pass Management, you're going to put more money back in your pocket instantly just for making that decision. So whatever flybite night company you're working with, your termite protection, a letter in the mail, service going up, cost of service going up, quality of service going down, that is not the case with Breda Pass Manager. So please find them online. It's Breda.com. B-R-E-D-A. Uh, I should say BredaPest.com, excuse me, BredaPest.com, BredaPest.com, B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com. That will get you in touch with our friends at BredaPest Management. One more time since I got it wrong the first time. You'd think after all this time I'd be uh, getting it right. BredaPest.com, B-R-E-D-A. Trust our friends at BredaPest Management today. 
All right. Uh, we got some fun stuff here coming up on the uh, program today. Uh, before we are done, we're going to look at some of the big questions as it relates to SEC media days for various number of uh, teams across the league. We're also going to preview some of that with Mike Griffith here coming up in just a bit there, too. And on a day in which I could use a laugh, uh, we have one of our better golden shoes in a while. So if you're watching on video, especially, you'll like this. And if you're listening to radio podcast, I will try to describe it to you. We'll get to all of that coming up in a moment. Prior to that, Let's go around the doghouse here today, and I think it's interesting to see the ways in which a topic that we have addressed a good number of times on our show, by the way, we're also, I guess, bored today once again by Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream, which is an exciting thing, but um, uh, a topic that we've addressed now for uh, a little bit is also kind of back in the world of social media a little bit, too. You may have read this at dognation.com yesterday. So we've had issue this offseason with Kirk Herbstreet, Reese Davis, prominent voices, uh, very, very well-known, recognizable figures. You know, ESPN's college game day, I think, still matters to a certain extent. ES- it seems to matter less and less every year because of ESPN's own unintentional, uh, unforced demise. Uh, but, but nonetheless, they've, you know, you know, kind of made their own decisions on some certain things. But the show still matters. It's still a, still a brand that is recognized, still a platform that matters. Reese Davis is the host. Kirk Herbstreit is kind of the anchor analyst on all of that. And we've kind of noticed and sort of pointed out that Reese Davis has been openly touting Michigan as the number one team in the country over the course of the offseason. Uh, Kirk Herbstreit using some of the you know worst logic imaginable, a dusty old opinion from like two years ago, is out there making the case for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And we've simply pointed out that, hey, it sort of feels like even though Georgia won the last two national championships, the overall narrative about Georgia just hasn't changed that very much. And guys like Reese and Kirk Herbstreit, whether they want to admit this or not, whether they like this about themselves or not, facts are facts. The truth is truth. They drive much of the narrative, especially during the offseason, because of the platforms that they're on. And it is going to be noticed, especially by Georgia fans, when guys like Reese and Kirk are out there you know, saying what they're saying and doing what they're doing. Because as I've said many times before, you can have it one of two ways. You can either laugh at Georgia fans for their belief that so-and-so doesn't believe in them, or you can pick Georgia to be the number one team in the country. Like, like if, if, if you want to uh, say someone else other than Georgia is going to be number one, you can't fault Georgia fans for noticing that. And that seems to be kind of where we are right now. I'm going to show you a, a Twitter exchange. I'll, I'll put this on the screen here for you that Reese Davis, Kirk Herbstreet had together. And, you know, it's sort of dripping with sarcasm here. Uh, Reese Davis, let me read the tweet. And he's responding to a couple of Georgia fans, I guess, on this. Uh, Reese says on Twitter, everybody is more than, quote, giving them a chance, meaning Georgia. He says, just because I want to see the quarterback before I rank them number one instead of number two or number three is hardly insulting. It's amusing to see things like fabricated seven and five picks. Everyone knows they could send their third team out and go seven and five or way better. Kirk Herbstreit then kind of retweets Reese Davis and says, RD, meaning Reese Davis, stop it. You know everyone secretly hates Georgia, he says sarcastically, uh, and doubts them every step of the way. Hopefully they can beat Vandy this year, and he gives some sort of uh, goofy emoji around all of that. Now, let me do just kind of a little bit on this here for a moment, because this is one of those deals where when Nolan Smith back I guess it was earlier in the winter sometime when he was sort of pushing the whole notion of the fact that he made up the claim that Georgia's going to go seven and five. 
we sort of you know had some fun with that at the time there because while nolan clearly seemed to enjoy that and revel in that the truth is knowing how the media sometimes works we knew that was going to be used as protection because there were plenty of people who were saying things about georgia a year ago we heard it said oh they'll be lucky to win the sec east after losing 15 draft picks you know they uh you know won't be able to win the national championship they were officially picked to be third behind alabama and ohio state and that opinion was essentially unanimous and for a reigning national champion to be universally disregarded to begin the next season yes georgia fans are going to notice that and for the same people to sort of trot out similar arguments here again this year yes they're going to notice that there as well because for everybody else where you rank the matters for georgia it's kind of come down now to sort of a binary choice are they your national champion or are they not and if you're picking somebody else to win the national championship georgia fans are going to notice if you're talking about a team like say usc or a team like Texas, or a team like Clemson, where you rank them matters because there's sort of a wide range of rankings you know, they may land at. For a team like Georgia, it's either this or it's that. It's either national championship again or anything else is just, you know, he was the line, second, just being the first loser. Like, the season is a success in the eyes of a lot of people about whether or not Georgia wins the national championship. So the only prediction that matters for Georgia is whether or not you're picking them to win the national championship. So when Reese or Kirk or somebody like that says what they says, people are going to notice, especially when Reese Davis points out of, hey, I want to see quarterback before I make any kind of choice here. I want to see what Georgia has the quarterback position. Georgia fans laugh in your face when you say that because they heard people just like you, whether it was actually you or not. They heard people just like you for two years saying Georgia couldn't win a national championship with Stetson Bennett and now they hear people say I'm not quite so sure that Georgia can win a national championship without Stetson Bennett none of these arguments matter I mean there are things in life that do matter and you know you know uh, some of that even kind of bleeds into college football from time to time admittedly this is not one of those things this is sort of the argument for the sport of it argument for the sake of it but nonetheless in arguments like this people still want to win people still want to be right and then and in in the sort of normal course of having this argument people are going to point out your logical fallacies and that is an example of one of those at one point in time Stetson Bennett was sort of held up as the reason to be skeptical of Georgia now the absence of Stetson Bennett is being held up as a reason to be skeptical of Georgia I think Georgia fans are rightly uh, laughing at that and calling that out now let me give you one more exchange here which kind of points out a little bit more you know Reese Davis Kirk Herbstreit uh, Reese goes on to say poor old Georgia just try to scrape enough guys together to buckle the chin straps every Saturday and Reese thinks he's clever when he says that and Kirk Herbstreit kind of reacts back to that about it being you know sarcastic and I said this to our video audience before the show began today I've had a few personal interactions with Kirk Herbstreit several with Reese Davis I, I think that both guys are probably pretty good dudes the best I can possibly tell I think they're both extraordinary on television that's kind of the funny thing about this is well I'm kind of you know railing on them for this particular topic the truth is i'm actually kind of fans of both their work at least in the case of kirk herbstreit i think he's just terrible on twitter i think that very few prominent famous personalities have had their brand tarnished more by the behavior on twitter than kirk herbstreit is i think that herbstreit seems to write in a voice on twitter that's just not very reflective of his genuine personality i don't think and some people are that way on twitter i think that herbstreit's been hurt by his twitter behavior but ultimately this is just sort of one of those things we do for fun but i do think that georgia fans are right to say hey we're the two-time national champs we get to decide how much of a benevolent dictatorship we want to run here and georgia fans if they choose not to be very generous while on top of the college football world 
I honestly believe they're well within their rights to feel that way. They may, after a long time of waiting to be on the top, they may want all the spoils that come their way because of that, which means acknowledgement from guys like Reese Davis and Kirk Herbstreet. When Herbstreet you know, spends all summer long trotting out the same old tired Alabama argument that expired a year ago, when Reese Davis is touting a Michigan team that you know fundamentally is just not on the same plane as Georgia, Georgia fans are well within their rights, I believe, to call that out, and I'm glad to see that they are. And that is Run the Doghouse here today, poured by our friends at Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream. And on less than the most fun days, sometimes it's great to have something that just sort of makes you feel good. And for a lot of you, you know, Dr. Pepper is that thing for me. And I'm so excited about having Dr. Pepper on board as a sponsor here uh, for our Around the Doghouse segment and really, really excited about to tell you about something that you don't know about, because ultimately that's what a great ad does, right? It tells you about something that you weren't already aware of. And this, for me, is a brand new thing to consider, Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream. And there's also a Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream zero sugar option for you there as well. How cool is this that Dr. Pepper's got a brand new permanent beverage offering uh, that is made with obviously the same great flavor and the great care that Dr. Pepper has been made with for such a long time. So get out, try yourself some today. You can stop by and see it at your local Kroger. Anywhere you go shopping, you can find Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream. What a really cool new introduction from our friends at Dr. Pepper. And it is so exciting to have them as a part of Around the Doghouse here today. Now, something else that's really exciting is turning the page to SEC Media Days. It is next week. Georgia has, I think, a pretty impressive contingent of players going there. Kirby Smart always sends a strong message when the dogs are on hand. This year, it is in Nashville. However, issues involving Georgia are not the only thing on tap for SEC Media Day. So let's do our part here right now to get ready to preview everything that's going to go down with this big event next week. A guy who will be there on hand is Mike Griffith. He joins us here now on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. A little late getting to Mike, and I apologize that for that. want to be respectful of time here, uh, and we'll put that in mind. Guess go ahead and just jump right into it. Uh, Mike had a lot to say before you join us. Now that you uh, pop on, we'll kind of turn the page to SEC Media Days here for a moment. And I want to speak to you specifically with the players that Georgia selected you know, I think that Cedric Von Prong Granger, kind of an easy guess who Georgia might send. I think it's appropriate they're sending Brock Bowers. I think it's nice to have best players in the country at events like this so the media can get acquainted with some of the cool stories happening around the league, not just for Georgia, but in other situations too when that's appropriate. And I think that Kamari Laster, we've said a couple times this week on the show, a little bit of a signal that he's being invited to step up now and, and be a big part of what's going to happen for the dogs on the field here this season. What did you make of the trio of players that Georgia has tabbed to go to Nashville next week? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, I'm with you. I think Cedric Van Pran is is clearly a, a team voice and a leader. He has been. I think right now leadership is something that, you know, Kirby Smart's really, um, you know, stressing as important for any team that's trying to three-peat, uh, you know, with, with some of the trappings of success comes complacency. And so you need to have leaders that will, you know, hold teammates accountable and, and keep the team focused. Remember, it was Van Pran last year got upset when they had the championship logo on the practice field and told the coaching staff, hey, take that off. We're not defending champs. This is a new season. So Cedric has already kind of 
you know, shown his, you know, leadership abilities and his ability to focus on what's ahead and, and not get too comfortable. So I, I you know, his, his, his message will be, um, you know, absolutely on track and consistent with what Kirby Smart's looking for. You know, Brock Bowers is a guy, you know, I call him a statue. You know, and I think when we look back 10, 20, 30 years from now at the most integral player, I mean, this guy's been a matchup nightmare. Nobody, nobody's figured out how to stop him. I mean, Georgia goes to him when they want to. Um, you know, I think about the Florida game and the catch he made behind his back on what could have easily been a pick. I think about uh, the Matrix play. I know that's one of your favorites as well. Maybe if he doesn't make that play, they may lose to Ohio State, you know. I think about, you know, um, you know, just the catch and runs, as Tim Tebow said. Most tight ends catch a screen and go eight yards. Brock can take it 80. So just because of his stature, potential Heisman Trophy candidate as well, uh, I really believe that. I think it's appropriate. And we know Brock is not comfortable speaking. Um, he'll tell you. I think he even said, I'm, I'm not good at this. <laughs> but he's willing. And, and so while what he says may not be, um, you know, fetching or, you know, any, anything too insightful, um, it'll be dutiful. Uh, it'll, be, um, it'll be appropriate. He'll be complimentary of his teammates. I've spoken with him quite a bit. Um, you know, but he, he's, he's not there to talk. He's there to play football. And then Lassiter, to your point, I think a kid who's really grown up in the program, and I think he's representative of what Kirby's all about in terms of the development. And You know, you take a guy out of a Tuscaloosa high school, area high school, that, you know, how does a guy like that get past Nick Saban, right? And, you know, Lasseter is a guy, though, that I think um, he plays the game like Kirby wants. He's physical in the run game. I think he's a depth cover corner. I've seen him projected as a first-round pick. And yet he tells the story of development. You know, he wasn't a five-star coming in. So, you know, it's a good representation. I mean, I could have made, you know, it's too bad there couldn't be more. I think Lad McConkie is, is a fantastic spokesperson for the team. That's a, you know, Kate Ratledge, another guy I think is wildly entertaining. Kendall Milton, certainly uh, engaging. You know, you can go down the list of, of other players that, you know, could have gone there and, and done a good job representing. I mean, uh, Javon Bullard, the defensive MVP of the championship game in the playoff. Uh, Malachi Starks, a rising star. Um, you know, Javon Dumas Johnson, kind of the heart of the defense. So there were a lot of players um, that you could have chosen for this, but I think that um, I think that these three guys will do a good job, and uh, I think it's going to be really interesting. I told Connor yesterday that I think that Brock Bowers right now might be the only player in the SEC, at least that I'm aware of, who I think ranks as a historic figure within his own program. In other words. You look at the three guys going to be representing each of the other teams there, or really any other player in the SEC right now. I'm not quite so sure that anybody else sort of rises to the level of being one of the small handful of best players in the history of that program, where I think that Brock Bowers is that way for Georgia. Now, he's not often considered in that fashion because, you know, Georgia has been a little bit of an ensemble cast the last couple of years. I think fans like the idea of the big team, little me concept, no player standing tall above the rest of the team I think fans enjoy that but I also think as someone who kind of appreciates college football history it's important to tell the story the right way it's important to appreciate and recognize history as it plays out in front of you and I do believe that one day when the story of Georgia's consecutive streak of championships however long it you know goes into the future when the story of this is told I do think that Brock Bowers needs to be a prominent part of that and so that's part of the reason why I'm glad he's at SEC media days because I think it aids in acquainting him with media types who live in their own bubbles and their own worlds. I'm talking about people kind of outside even the state of Georgia, maybe in some respects. Uh, and I think it allows them to get, become more familiar 
with what has been a incredibly important and at times undercovered part of uh, Georgia's championship success. I agree. I mean, sometimes the national media can wrestle the truth out of the out of the narrative. You know, I, I cited this morning, uh, you know, the poll on Dog Nation uh, that I did. You know, as far as you know, favorite, you know, Kirby wins, and you know, by landslide right now, a lot of people taking um, you know Georgia over Alabama in the CFP. But I, I saw a post this morning about the number three versus number two game of the century, I, Alabama and LSU. Well, well, didn't we have two number ones facing off last year, Brand? I think you were sitting next to me huh. in the press box when we saw the number one ranked Georgia team of the polls play the number one ranked, uh, you know, Tennessee team uh, undefeated. Um, in, in, in a late-season game, uh, according to the College Football Playoff Committee. You know, to me, two number one teams is a game of the century, okay? Uh, and the fact that that game does not get the hype uh, or Decker that it's, oh, well, you know, uh, there, wasn't, there wasn't the star power someone. So there wasn't? It wasn't hype because there wasn't the star power? Doesn't hype equal star power? I, I think Nolan Smith's a star. I think Jalen Carter was a star. I think Javon Bullard is a star. I think Stetson Bennett proved himself a Heisman Trophy finalist. Uh, there were plenty. Brock Bowers, we just talked about, first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt. Uh, statue, likely. And, and there's no stars? Maybe just not the stars they choose. And that's kind of where I circle back to this whole Georgia narrative. And I, and I think you spoke about it yesterday with, you know, now Reese Davis and Kirk Kerbstreit are downplaying that they don't have Georgia number one. Well, um, you know, joke all you want, but you didn't have number one last year either. And the fact of the matter is, is that Kirby Smart and Georgia don't get the same level of respect uh, or hype, so to speak, that Nick Saban and Alabama do, even though they're a two-time defending champ. And, and I'm with you. I think you need to have uh, stars like Brock Bowers to represent uh, and, and, you know, show that, you know, look, Georgia's got just as good of players as anywhere else. They just play more within the team concept. The NFL recognizes that. Uh, as we've seen through the last three NFL drafts. I'm curious about this. If we talk about issues on the field for Georgia, what the biggest question is next week, and I guess the thing I kind of center back to, Mike, is is that you know back during the spring, you kind of put everybody who's injured in the same category, and you just sort of say, we'll check on it again when you get to summer. Well, now it's summer. We're here. <laughs> and I sort of think now we're about uh-huh. to see a little bit of a deviation of timelines here. And, and maybe this turns out to be wrong, but I get the sense that of uh, – you know, a handful of defensive injuries, a lot of those shoulders. Those guys may be on their way back, but a little bit different kind of injury for Smile Mondin. His deal may be lingering a little bit longer, and of that'll be of note for Georgia fans if that's true. Same thing for some of the running back stuff of, okay, well, you know, what's going on with Branson Robinson here? And, you know, what's going on with some of these guys that getting specific, even almost to like the granular level on some of these injuries is going to probably be, I imagine, the number one source of curiosity for a lot of fans next week of it's not spring anymore. You don't put all the injuries in the same drawer. All of a sudden now you got to start trying to figure out, okay, who is likely to be available to begin the season and whose injury recovery may linger longer than that. I'm guessing that's going to be as hot a topic as anything for Georgia next week. Do you agree with that? Yeah, certainly one of the topics. You know, I you know I don't really know what'll what'll be hot or what won't. It's hard to say, but you know, you never you never really know how those media days uh, are going to turn out. Remember, was it a couple of years ago when Nick Saban had just happened to mention Bryce Young having a one million dollar NIL deal on radio that morning? 
I mean, and then in the, I mean, you remember that. I mean, that was absolutely concocted, and Nick Saban did that on purpose, and it worked. He was asked about it at media day; it became a buzz. Nobody saw that coming. Um, and then he, of course, he would later, you know, talk about te- what Texas A&M was doing—a story for another day, um, which was as hypocritical as it can be. But yes, the George injuries, uh, absolutely. And and with you, you know, Smile Munden is a pressing injury, and I'm not as much worried about Branson Robinson as long as Dejon and Kendall. I mean, to me, he's a number three, and I don't even know if he'll hold that with the with the other Robinson in camp, uh, looking so good. The freshman. We'll we'll wait and see. Wait and see, right? Uh, to me, the defensive uh, the defensive line drop off is imminent. Uh, to what extent, right? We talk with uh, Jeff Centel, and you know Centel says, "Well, you know they might drop off, but they'll still be the best in the SEC." Well, will they? I don't know. I don't know. We've just taken it for granted that nobody can run on Georgia. Now maybe people can. Um, so that's going to be to me interesting. I would say this on the injuries, though, Brandon, because of the nature of the schedule, I think there's a little bit more of a grace period. I- I'm more interested in. Who's going to be 100% for Auburn? And, and that may sound arrogant or cocky or whatever you want to say, but, you know, I actually had, uh, well, speaking of Jeff, he, he ran a pretty good line by me yesterday. Um, you know, he said that they, he thinks Georgia could go undefeated with their schedule with Gunnar Stockton at quarterback, which I think quarterback is another topic of discussion. So there's going to be all sorts of uh, comments and directions and questions and, um, to your point, injuries. Uh, not really sure what we'll get from Kirby not always the most transparent in that area, understandably. Um, and, and then there's only so much he knows. I mean, three years ago he said JT Daniels was going to be ready for the start of the season, and he didn't start to the Mississippi State game. So you just never really know. How about beyond this, just kind of finish this off, you know, I have a couple of – what I would imagine to be pretty significant issues for teams other than Georgia next week. I'm going to talk about some of those here in a moment, but to wrap up our conversation together, beyond Georgia, what are you interested in right now? Did I see that Tommy Reese is a candidate for the Northwestern head coaching job? Is that, <laughs> is that really out there? I hadn't seen that. Is that out there? I saw, yeah, I saw that on, the, on one of the Alabama websites. I mean, I don't know if they're just trying to you know puff their guy up as, hey, he really was a good hire or, or if he actually is, I mean, I guess we'll find out, Brandon. I mean, the, the Alabama quarterback, I mean, and listen, the, the reason we talk about Alabama is because they're one of the bigger threats. I think LSU, I think we're going to pay more attention to LSU this year. A lot of people just look the other way with Brian Kelly. I said, ah, I don't think so. Yeah, I think we're all looking at uh, Billy Napier. You know, I mean, is, is this the guy? I mean, this is, to me, this is he's under fire. This is it. I mean, he might be a three-year coach, be done. Oh, is this year two of them? I mean, I, I don't even know. Did he get to year three with another losing record and all the money that Florida's putting into the facilities and now their stadium? And I saw an estimate of $400 million, but, uh, what, you know, Edgar Thompson of the Orlando Sentinel and I chatted. He said it could end up being more like a billion before it's over with. You know, when a program's putting that kind of money behind it and you're still not winning, I mean, it's a big, big year for Billy Napier. Uh, you know, and, um, you know, Nick Saban and LSU and – uh, Tennessee, you know, what does Tennessee do now without Hendon Hooker? Is, is Joe Milton going to be able? So I, I look at quarterback stories. I think there's only four quarterbacks that are going to be at media days, by the way, maybe five. Remember when everybody brought their quarterback? Um, and then why didn't Georgia bring theirs, right? I mean, I think it's unsettled. I think that the Georgia quarterback situation is more unsettled than a lot of people uh, care to admit. And, and the reason I say that is because the head coach told us that. And the head coach usually tells us, you know, in, in so many words, if Kirby said it ain't done, it ain't done. 
if Kirby said only 25% of the hay's in the barn, then that means 75% left during this offseason that we have not been able to monitor in the fall camp ahead. So uh, certainly Georgia will be a big story uh, going for a three-peat. Uh, the Alabama quarterback situation, to recap, uh, what's Texas A&M going to say about Bobby Petrino? Probably not much. There's a story there. Don't know that we get it at media days. Brian Kelly and LSU, do they have the depth to make a championship run? Um, they certainly seem to have the star power on the front lines. And then Tennessee, are they the biggest threat in the East? Or, or could someone else uh, creep out of the shadows and pull the upset like South Carolina did at Georgia in 2019? So to me, a lot, lot of things to go out of ground to cover. Should be a ton of fun. All right, Mike, thanks for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management today. I'm sure you'll have plenty more coming at dognation.com. We will read that and, of course, talk to you again very soon. Thanks, Brandon. Have a good one. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. One quick point on the quarterback thing, then we'll move on. You know, Mike has sort of echoed that now a couple of weeks in a row, his belief that uh, this Georgia quarterback competition is still open. Mike might even say wide open just based on – some way in which he's talked i think this is one of those things where i would use history as a guide here a little bit if that is true smart has a tendency to leave clues about some of this kind of stuff i go back to 2017 as a for instance on this which is a long time ago now i mean we have a lot of folks you know younger folks who may not have you know much (laughs) it's weird to say this but you know 2017 not everybody has the same level of memory of and frankly some of my memories fade over time too but if you want to go back to summer of 2017 this is jacob eason going into a sophomore year this is Jake Fromm, who will obviously join us again this week. Uh, this is Jake Fromm going into his true freshman year. There was a lot of time that summer, Paul Feinbaum interviews, things like that, where Kirby took the time to talk up Jake Fromm. Kirby took the time of pushing the idea of it being a competition. So this is one of those things where if history is the guy and Kirby Smart really is looking to see a competition be decided moving towards the end of the summer or even into the season, then Kirby Smart will intentionally – and specifically talk up a quarterback other than Carson Beck. And the more smart sort of speaks in generalities about that, the less serious I probably take it, the idea that anybody other than Beck is going to be the guy. You know, sometimes you ever read some of those books where it's like the thinking fast, thinking slow, or uh, I guess uh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell had, a, you know, had blink. You know, sometimes you just sort of have this instinctive thought. Like my instinctive thought during G-Day was Carson Beck's going to be Georgia's quarterback. And that's not really the attitude I went into spring practice with. It really was, and I had some skepticism about Carson Beck. I've expressed that before. But during G-Day, and it's more of just the feeling. You can't really kind of point to anything specific necessarily. It's just more just the feeling uh, of this seems set up for Carson Beck. This seems like Carson Beck is the inevitable, eventual starting quarterback for Georgia. So we'll see if Kirby Smart gives any kind of specific credence to an idea other than that next week at sec media days we'll of course be watching that closely uh shifting gears here how about cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and boy we've told you before excited about all the new things that royal caribbean has got in store here for 2024 and this is one of the great things about royal caribbean uh, a market leader anyway who is still pushing to grow and get better each and every year hopefully we're all the same way and for royal caribbean in 2024 that means introducing two brand new ships one of those i've told you about for quite some time now icon of the seas when it debuts it will be the largest cruise ship ever constructed it's going to be unlike anything you've ever seen before largest water park at sea essentially like a floating beach resort there as well but also great amenities 40 plus bars something like that all kinds of specialty restaurants for someone who 
is kind of into all this, some new concepts being introduced, unlike anything that Royal Caribbean's ever had on a cruise ship before. That's really exciting. Cannot wait for Icon of the Seas. But then in addition to that, how about July of 2024, the debut of Utopia of the Seas there as well. This one particularly interesting for me because it's going to be the latest and the most recent in the, in the Oasis class of ships. It's going to be sailing, understand, out of Port Canaveral, doing some of those three and four night sailings. This is a brand new offering from Royal Caribbean here. It begins this year with the Lure of the Seas. Of course, you know that's going to house us for our Dog Nation cruise and continue with Utopia of the Seas. Uh, those three and four night sailings on an Oasis class ship, something that Royal Caribbean's never done before. And by the way, speaking of the Dog Nation cruise, Allure of the Seas, one of the largest ships currently sailing. We're going to be on it. Dog Nation cruise, bigger and better for 2024, April 22nd through the 26th. Go to RoyalDogs.com to find out more information about that. That is royaldogs.com. It is going to be an incredible time. All right, so SEC Media Days next week. Let me give you a few thoughts here in no particular order about what I will think is interesting next week. I think there's a comparison between LSU and Alabama that sort of speaks to opposite sides of the same coin. A lot of this relates to quarterback. And the thing about LSU that's probably the most interesting right now is, and you have to be kind of very much into the inside media baseball to even care about this one way or another but there's a little bit of a debate about whether or not LSU is an overlooked team or about whether or not LSU is the team that too many people are talking about and to me this is completely explained by the way in which the conversation has shifted around LSU over the course of the calendar year we are of course entrenched in college ball each and every day and so we're kind of following the EKG the ups and downs of everything that goes on and at one point in time, January, February, it seemed like at that point, you can go back and see some of the evidence for yourself. It seems like at the time, LSU was being completely disregarded. Unfairly so, we thought. Go back and think about early playoff predictions, things like that. At one point in time, ESPN put out a bunch of their scribes. I'm assuming a lot of those are still employed. But uh, you know, you know, a lot of their you know folks who put those playoff predictions out you saw Georgia on almost every single one of them and you commonly saw Alabama mentioned as a second SEC team making the playoff at the time LSU uh, was not really a thought in a lot of the sort of national media types mind it didn't seem well over the course of the last few months admittedly that has changed LSU is being talked about more now we're left to conclude why that might be sometimes it's the simplest answer that is most likely to be the correct answer in this particular case I think people have pivoted towards LSU because they were unimpressed by what they saw from Alabama during spring practice. Alabama has a lot going for it. It may have one of the best offensive lines in the country. Other than Georgia, it may be the second best in the entire, in the entire country here this year. Alabama is going to probably still be pretty good defensively. Dallas Turner is one of the very best players in the nation. Uh, Caleb Downs, I believe, has a chance to be a sensational freshman in the mold of other terrific freshman defensive backs that have existed in the SEC. Bama's going to probably run the ball okay. Once again, freshman running backs probably help th helping them do that there as well. But on paper, as it appears right now, Alabama does not have a quarterback, at least not a national championship-level quarterback. And because of that and the sort of unspectacular spring the Crimson Tide had and the, you know, going out and grabbing Tyler Buckner, who may have been no better than the number three quarterback at Notre Dame, this has caused people to want to reconsider LSU a little bit more. That's why there's this debate of, well, is LSU overhyped or overlooked? It's been a different answer depending on which month you've sort of checked in on that. And the statement we repeatedly said about LSU, we will say one more time. There are at least two quarterbacks in the LSU roster better than anything Alabama has. That's why we like the Tigers in the West in what will be the final year of the SEC West. A couple of other issues here quickly. 
Tennessee, to me, is a fascinating team for a simple reason. Tennessee and its fan base and the internal conversation would seem to be all about taking that next step and putting themselves squarely, evenly, equally on the same plane as like a Georgia and an Alabama. Now, last year, Tennessee beat Alabama, but the final two games of the regular season didn't exactly support that big marquee win very much, you know, getting, you know, you know, quasi embarrassed by Georgia sort of didn't help either although you don't have to apologize for losing to UGA the point is after beating uh Alabama Tennessee didn't exactly follow that up very well so the conversation in Knoxville is all about taking that next step and becoming a true legitimate playoff contender and not just some you know paper tiger playoff contender constructed out of thin air by ESPN uh at the expense of some global fans who believed it you know, it, it's about sort of becoming real and substantial and uh, something that really does have long-term staying power. But concurrent to that, there's also the conversation taking place in Gainesville, Florida, and probably most specifically in Columbia, South Carolina, possibly Auburn there as well, about actually trying to move to the spot where Tennessee has been. Because there's always that going on in the SEC. And this sort of constant sort of zero-sum game that is this league Folks are trying to climb the ladder. That's what Tennessee's trying to do. But while that's happening, the South Carolinas, the Auburns, the Floridas, the programs who are level below that are trying to climb up to where Tennessee is and perhaps overtake them in doing so. I think the team that's currently probably best positioned to do that may be South Carolina. I think Shane Beamer's first couple of years on campus in Columbia have actually been underrated. Uh, now, taking the next step for him or anybody is not necessarily easy, uh, but South Carolina is probably worth watching, as well as second-year Billy Napier, first-year Coach Hugh Freeze, in terms of kind of getting some of the buzz that Tennessee enjoyed a year ago. I was going to say something about Bobby Trino and Texas but I'll just sort of save that for uh, another day. Let me instead do this really quick. Two other sl- uh, slight issues, and then we'll move on after that. I think where SEC Media Days is taking place this year is interesting. It's Nashville. A lot of you know Nashville's become this incredible weekend destination. It's one of the most popular tourist attractions in our our destinations, I should say. One of the most popular tourist destinations in our entire country. The overall population around Nashville, the suburbs, Brentwood, things like that, uh, Union City, you know, they have really grown there as well. That Nashville's become kind of a big town and they're building a brand new stadium. It's going to have a retractable roof. And you almost wonder if this event, SEC Media Day, is taking place in Nashville. Of course, the basketball tournament's been there before, but this is probably as much of an SEC spotlight as maybe Nashville's ever had on it. And you kind of wonder in future years, is Atlanta, which has kind of been the unquestioned capital city of the SEC, is Atlanta going to have some competition in that moving forward? I wonder if this is Nashville's attempt to sort of throw its hat in the ring on all of that. That'll be worth paying attention to. And then finally, I'll just say this. There is undeniably sort of a weird vibe that's going to exist in the SEC and throughout the rest of college football here this fall. In a lot of ways, this is a lame duck season. Now, we don't recognize that here around Dog Nation because Georgia's going for a third straight national championship. And for most of us, that's so interesting that nothing else really seems to matter right now. But if you're not a Georgia fan, if you're not firmly entrenched within Dog Nation, you're spending most of your year thinking about what next year is going to be like. And sometimes in, you know, life, work, whatever else, there are just sort of these lame duck moments when you are just sort of playing out the string, ready for a new thing to start. This is kind of one of those times where next year we get an expanded SEC. Texas and Oklahoma will be in the league. My guess is there'll be a lot of Texas and Oklahoma-related questions at SEC Media Days next week, next year nationally. 
The college football playoff also expands there as well. And there will be a lot of attention paid to that. So if you're not a Georgia fan, thankfully most of us are, but if you're not a Georgia fan, the lame duck nature of this season is going to be hard to ignore. You'll see a lot of that next week at SEC Media Day. It's not exactly the most exciting thing to consider, but for a lot of people, this is just simply biding time until the real change takes place in 2024. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And there are some days when you sort of feel like you could use a drink, right? And for me, when I'm using a drink or need one, a nice, enjoyable cocktail, I'm thinking about a ready-to-drink cocktail that comes right out of the can, uh, like our friends at the Finnish Long Drink provide you've been hearing me talk about the i guess the famous flavors of the finished long drink for a long time but are you aware now the finished long drink has also debuted the brand new peach flavor there as well and this is one of those things i want you to be aware of wanted to make sure that you know about because it's available for limited times so if you've tried the cranberry if you've tried the traditional the blue can with the grapefruit flavor if you've tried some of those really cool things the finished long drink is known for it's also time to try the newest flavor of the finished long drink there as well the peach flavor of the finished long drink nothing is more georgia than that uh, a little peach flavor here in the peach state here this summer so go to the longdrink.com put in your zip code find out where you can pick up some today uh, people have been raving about it i am so excited about this brand new introduction from my friends at the finished long drink try the peach flavored version of the finished long drink today i absolutely love our golden shoe today i think it's extraordinary we have been talking as of late about the sheer size of some of the recent Georgia offensive line commits. Very, very tall, very, very big, blocking out the sun, but also blocking any would-be tacklers ahead of Georgia quarterbacks, ball carriers in the future, including those lousy, stinking gators, apparently. Let me show you this on the screen. This is so funny. And admittedly, it kind of works more as a visual than something to be described audio, but it's worth sharing here today. Uh, UGA Nation 412 shared this with me. He says, at the rate Georgia keeps recruiting the massive humans on the offensive line the way they have, this is what the cocktail party is going to look like for many years to come. And what you see is kind of a giant version of the Georgia offensive line. And next to that, bottom right-hand corner of your screen, a very, very tiny little Florida defensive line. That is certainly a uh, nice visual to describe what it might be like in the future when Georgia takes on those lousy, stinking Gators. UGA Nation 412, incredibly funny, well-deserved golden shoe going in your direction. By the way, speaking of those lousy, stinking Gators, how about our Gator hater updater and countdown? 108 days from right now, Georgia back in Jacksonville beating Florida again. That is certainly a fun thing to think about, and we will see you tomorrow at Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management.